Welcome to Always West Seattle, the podcast where the people, places, happenings, and history of West Seattle intersect. I'm your host, Keith Bacon. This episode marks an all-new season of Always West Seattle and a new partnership with the Southwest Seattle Historical Society. In 2020, the Historical Society launched the Duwamish Voices Initiative, aiming to collect and preserve the stories of the individuals that give our peninsula a rich and diverse past, present, and future. This partnership takes that initiative and makes it public, centering you, the people who make up our community. We'll also be expanding on and complementing themes found in events and exhibits presented by the Historical Society at the Loghouse Museum on Alki and around the Duwamish Peninsula. It's a great fit for both the organization and Always West Seattle as we strive to connect with the diverse community of people who make our area so interesting. And I'm really excited about further defining the purpose of this podcast while broadening the scope of my stories. That said, you can still expect to hear some of the people and segments that we've developed here on Always West Seattle since the beginning. And of course, I'll still be here making it happen. This partnership came about after I served on the board of the Historical Society for about a year. And to be honest, I'd never been in the Historical Society's Log House Museum before becoming a board member. And my informal polling of West Seattle folks tells me there's a lot more people out there who have yet to connect with the Society's exhibits and events. But I was excited to learn more about our local history and get involved with an organization focused on our community. And it quickly became clear to me that the Historical Society was both a beloved local institution and also on the verge of evolving in an interesting and important way. Part of this evolution came from those pandemic pivots we're all familiar with, and in this case, it was the society moving many of its previously in-person presentations to online formats, which opened up vastly greater opportunities for more people to learn about and connect with our local history. We've actually covered a few examples here on the podcast in the past, such as the virtual house tour of the Doc Maynard home and the online exhibit focused on the Alki Suffrage Club. And you can find those episodes at alwayspodcast.com. Another turning point for the society was a series of workshops in diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility, also known as DEIA. The workshops were an eye-opening experience for myself and everyone of the staff and board who participated, and it opened up some important questions for the society to discuss and explore together. For the society to better serve all the people of the Duwamish Peninsula and become more relevant in a world finally striving to make real advances in racial equity, it would have to evolve, and the DEIA workshops were the first steps forward in providing tools and guidance to move ahead. It was not long after the DEIA workshops that I had an idea. What if Always West Seattle could become a program of the Historical Society as another highly accessible digital program that can reach more people in more ways and support the new directives and goals that are emerging from the DEIA training and development as those efforts get underway? I pitched the idea and found immediate support to make it happen, but before we worked out the details, suddenly the Society found itself facing another immediate need to evolve and survive with the departure of its executive director, one of only two full-time staff members. With so much in flux, it took a little longer to reach the starting point than I'd hoped, but here we are, and I couldn't be more excited. In this episode, we talk with the Historical Society's curator and interim executive director, Maggie Case, about what's in store for the organization and Loghouse Museum in the near term, and we'll also talk with the Society's board president, 
Kathy Blackwell about what the future may hold. And while this episode is about the historical society at this moment in time, I thought we should get a little sense of how the society came to be, which was founded in 1984 by West Seattle resident and White Center real estate broker Elliot Cowden. To hear some personal recollections about Elliot and the earliest days of the historical society, we talked with his daughter, Ginny Stimson. So you have a very personal connection to the origin story of the Southwest Seattle Historical Society. Tell me a little bit about that. My dad was one of the founders of the Southwest Seattle Historical Society. And as the story goes, dad was in real estate in White Center. And when he'd go into people's homes, especially older people who maybe had passed away or were being moved to a retirement place, Mm -hmm. their family often had boxes of photographs and artifacts that related to the early history of West Seattle. And dad would say, what are you going to do with those things? And they said, probably just going to toss them. So he would say, well, I think there'd be a general interest in some of those things. If you're going to toss them, do you mind if I take them? The story at the house was that mom said to him, Ellie, you've got too many boxes here. You brought home a lot of that stuff. And my dad was a very organized man. So every box was labeled and recorded. And at some point, South Seattle Community College offered him a room Mm -hmm. that he could store those boxes in. And he would share those artifacts with different people that had an interest. And dad had a vision that He wanted the people of West Seattle to not lose the history of things that had happened in that area, Mm -hmm. but he particularly wanted school kids to have access to those things, to have a place that they could go to learn about their community. And were you a student in West Seattle at the time? No, this all happened after. I was in college when it was getting organized, and I had a computer, and I liked working on a computer. Dad had me put together a newsletter, so Mac had a kind of a software that allowed you to build columns and put in pictures and so on. And so dad would say, okay, Jenny, this weekend we're doing a newsletter for the Southwest Seattle Historical Society. Mm -hmm. And he would have all these different articles and pictures and things. And he would decide what the layout would be. And then I was the one that would type him in and talk to him about it. Dad was really a great editor. Your dad was the the founder, but maybe in some ways you were the de facto first staff member. (laughs) I doubt it. But I was among the early volunteers, that's Uh for sure. Yeah. And you eventually just got involved on your own. Because it was so important to both mom and dad, their love and appreciation for West Seattle. In the summertime, it was fun to come down to Elkai on the 4th of July. Mm Mm-hmm and be there for that picnic. Every year there'd be an interesting program where people would share something. And just a lot of celebration of seeing old friends. I grew up in Fauntleroy, so seeing some of the people that were the adults in the community then, and also my peers. People that I met through the society, I came to really value. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people that I have gotten to know through that. You made a lot of friends through it. Yeah, and also here at Horizon House, I'm the chair of what's called the Neighborhoods Committee. And what we do is we take a neighborhood and then we have people present about the history of that neighborhood and maybe the kinds of arts that go on there, Hmm. something about the diversity in the neighborhood. And I'm the chair of that committee. Clearly, a passion for history and community involvement runs in the family. Once you get hooked on it, it's very interesting. (laughs) You just get curious about things. How would you say the society has evolved over time since it began? Oh, that's an interesting question. I guess at first, I was thinking of it as being the museum primarily and thinking about what was being shown at the museum or developed for the museum. Mm -hmm. 
And it feels like they reach more out into the community and go beyond just that location. Mm -hmm. I'm a person who goes from point A to point B, (laughs) and my goal is to get there, and I don't notice all the things that are along the way. Mm -hmm. And this just slows you down and gets you to look. So I love those programs that go out into the community and into the businesses and into the people that are interesting that live in the community. Mm Mm-hmm. Why do you think the Historical Society is important to a community like West Seattle or important in general? I really do believe that it's important to know something about our history. Mm -hmm. It used to be they said we have to learn about our history so we don't repeat our mistakes. I don't think it's about that, but it's just about what are the things that people have considered and done in the past and why did they do those things? And in what ways has that benefited us and which ways have that gotten in the way of things happening later? Mm Mm-hmm. And I think it helps inform our choices so that we pay more attention or we ask better questions about things. Yeah. But I love the whole thing of bringing people together. And I think that's one of the real gifts of the Southwest Seattle Historical Society is that the people that are there are cross-generational. And there are people who are new to West Seattle that are excited about it. And there's people who have lived there and their families have gone back for generations Yeah. who have a have passion for the place. Mm-hmm. I love that intersection. I think they both feed off each other. Yeah. So there's such a positive energy and uh, respect and the way people listen and celebrate what they know and celebrate what they don't know. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's nice to have a, a safe space for people to come together and just and learn mm-hmm. from each other. Yeah. And I think it might get you to take better care of the land and to respect the environment. And right benefits. Yeah, absolutely. When you have a deeper understanding of the place that you live in, you're going to care more about it. And I think that's something the Historical Society offers is an opportunity to get involved and to participate and to learn and to understand and connect and do something positive for your community. Yes, absolutely. So there's a lot more we could get into about the origin story of the Historical Society, and we definitely will continue talking more about the Society's history and achievements in future episodes, especially with the 25th anniversary of the Loghouse Museum coming up this summer. So that story does not end here, not by a long shot, and there's plenty more to look forward to hearing about right here on Always West Seattle. But this episode is really about the Historical Society's present and future at this moment in time. And for starters, we wanted to hear about what's on tap for the coming months and the status of the Loghouse Museum, which has been closed for most of the past three years. The one person with all the answers is the Society's one current full-time staff member, curator, and interim executive director, Maggie Case. So you are currently serving in two roles at the Historical Society. How is that going? It's a little busy, I won't lie, but it's been a really interesting challenge. Um, It's been lovely to get to tap into the executive side of me serving as the helm of the organization for a little while. But my passion is really in the public history and the managing of programs and collections and exhibits. So... It's been nice not to have to give that up while I've gotten to explore more leadership roles. Have you learned some things out of this experience then? I think that I've learned that relationship building is really the core of what museums do, no matter where you're working and what you're working in. I thought that I was really going to have to start from scratch in terms of building relationships with our stakeholders when I took on this interim executive director position. But between 
relationships that we already had as a historical society and relationships that I had built in my role as curator that didn't feel like they were going to be connected to my role as executive director. I feel like I really was able to show that community is at the heart of what we do. And that was a really heartening reminder to myself, but also a useful one to say the historical society is, of course, bigger than one person and people are connected to our organization and our mission as much as they are to um, specific members of our team. That must have felt good. Yeah, it did. It was really nice to be like, okay, people enjoy the work that we do. They want to see more of the work that we do. And largely we have the support of large parts of our community behind us. So with you being the only full-time staff member right now, how is this impacting the programs of the Historical Society? We've had to scale back a little bit in some ways, although in other ways we're still pushing forward full steam ahead. So we have maybe a little bit less adult programming on the docket this year than we did last year or the year before, for example. Having said that, we've got some really exciting adult programs coming up. And I would say that the places in which we're moving forward full steam ahead, we have more exhibits debuting this year than I think we've ever had in a year. We've got traveling exhibits coming up for West Seattle, White Center, and South Park, which is really exciting. And I'm really yeah. looking forward to that. So mm-hmm. I would say maybe our public programming is a little bit leaner this year because I'm by myself, but in yeah. other ways, it hasn't affected much at all. And the Log House Museum itself, Yeah, so we closed for the winter, but we'll be reopening to the community this spring. Tell me a little bit more about this traveling exhibit idea that's going to happen in other places. Yeah, so I was thinking about it. And the Log House Museum is, we're based in Alki, right? And so we always are going to attract people who are coming off the beach and who are living in that neighborhood currently. And I was thinking about accessibility and the fact that if you're coming from South Park or White Center you would really be making a trip maybe, especially for the museum, we're a pretty small physical location. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to think about the ways in which we could bring our programmatic opportunities into the community that we serve so that they didn't always have to be coming to us and we could meet our community in the middle. So I came up with this idea to bring exhibits to farmers markets, neighborhoods, festivals, and all of those kinds of things so that they don't necessarily have to travel all the way to the museum in order to get the log house museum exhibit experience. And that was really Mm -hmm. the basis of that. So in White Center, I'm in the process of developing a traveling exhibit that's all about food history and is collaborating with local restaurants specific to White Center about how their physical location affects their work and how they serve their community. Mm-hmm. And in South Park, I'm working with a neighborhood organization down there to talk about the history of industrialization in that area and how many community members down there are fighting to preserve the historic buildings that they have all the way back from the 1870s onwards and what it means to be a neighborhood and what it means to be a community in that area. That is so awesome. I think that is really great. I'm super excited about it. And I intend to be there with you or whoever else is going to be at these traveling exhibits to be in these other neighborhoods and talking to people who live there or visit there to hear more of their stories. I think that's it's really exciting that this is on the docket for this year. And related to that, the staff and board members of the Historical Society recently did a training program focused on diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. What was that experience like for you and how is it impacting or informing the work of the Historical Society? Yeah, it was a really great experience for me. We did a nine-hour intensive deep dive into DEIA work and how that can show up at the Historical Society. 
And I was really grateful for the opportunity to reflect, especially as the person who develops programs, who develops exhibits, who is largely in charge of our outward facing materials to think deeply about ways in which we can be more accessible and we can be more equitable. And I think that one of my goals in my tenure at the Historical Society is to create exhibits and create programming that better represents everybody who lives in our service area. And I really want to make sure that we're highlighting over the next year and beyond White Center and South Park and really thinking about how We can serve those areas without them having to come to the museum physically and become better ingrained parts of those neighborhoods, knowing that our physical location isn't necessarily right there for them. Mm -hmm. So I would say that those are really the main ways in which I, I was thinking about that work playing out in my job, as well as additionally, as a public historian, I think that I have a really unique responsibility to tell history from a wide variety of perspective. History as a field has long been dominated by one perspective, which is typically older, cis, straight, white males. Mm -hmm. And those experiences are not just in the sense that lots of historians embody those identities, but also that the materials from those identities are what has been saved throughout history. Mm -hmm. They're the primary and secondary resources that a lot of institutions have. They've been prioritized in the past. So I want to make sure that when possible, and it's always possible as long as you dig long and hard enough, that we're Mm -hmm. pulling from multiple other perspectives and that we're really trying to tell a holistic version of history that's truthful and accurate and as well acknowledges my own biases because I'm only one person and I do my best to make sure that I'm fact-checking and cross-checking, having sensitivity readers across all identities, but Mm -hmm. acknowledging that my experience is inevitably going to bleed into my historian work somewhere. So really making it a community-focused process in terms of even developing our historical stories to begin with. That's awesome. And full disclosure alert, I should talk about the fact that I was part of that training as well. And I was so inspired from what I learned, which really was the tip of the iceberg, but it was enough to inspire me to want to do this podcast as a program of the Historical Society, because I think what I'm already doing and what I want to do more of is exactly those kinds of things and sharing other people's stories and connecting with other kinds of people. And I've never tried to make this podcast all about me. It's all about the people that I'm talking to and and their stories. And so I'm really excited to be working with you and the Historical Society in this capacity to sort of help activate those goals. Yeah, absolutely. I think that when you're an institution that's focused on local history, you're an institution that's focused on the stories and the lives of the people that live in your service area. And I really want to honor programmatically moving forward the fact that everybody is an expert in their own lives. And as we've been told multiple times over the past couple of years, we're living through an unprecedented experience. We are all living through history actively all the time. And I feel like the past two years have really highlighted that. So it's our job now to collect all of these stories so that we can interpret them and think about them through a historical lens now. 
but also preserve them 40, 50 years in the future. Is there anything about the historical society that you think many people in the community might not know or frequently misunderstand? Oh, yeah. I think that people might not know that we have a historical collection of over 10,000 objects that tells the history of our community from Mm the 1850s onward. And I think that sometimes people misunderstand who that collection is meant to serve and what it's meant to be for. Mm -hmm. We keep it in public trust for our community. And we put a lot of work into vetting those items and taking care of those items and making sure that they're historically representative and historically accurate of our service area. Mm-hmm. Having said that, though, to be honest, right now, our collection also skews really heavily towards West Seattle history specifically. I have some really wonderful individual examples of historical objects from White Center in South Park, uh, but I'm really on the hunt for more for that service area. So if you're listening to this podcast episode and you have some objects from South Park and White Center that you think should be preserved for history send me an email. I want to talk right. to you. Yeah, good to know. Why is the Historical Society important to West Seattle, the Duwamish Peninsula right now? That's a really, really great question. I think that local history is so valuable because it can and should validate everybody's experiences living through history. And I think that right now we are really poised at a point to move forward documenting history in a brand new way, really Mm -hmm. leaning into oral histories, really leaning into people's individual stories and interpreting history in a way that no one has ever seen before. About five months ago, we opened an exhibit called Spirit Returns 2.0, a Duwamish and Settler story. Mm -hmm. And that exhibit was dual hosted between ourselves and the Duwamish Longhouse and Cultural Center. That in and of itself, having a dual hosted exhibit is something that doesn't happen very often in the museum space. But it serves as a way to engage with early settler history in a brand new way, in a brand new light, thinking about settler motivations, thinking about societal expectations in the 1850s, but also was an opportunity for the Duwamish to interpret that story from their own lens in their own space for the first time. And I think that opportunities like that, which there are so many of, I can't even begin to articulate it outside of just thinking about the 1850s and early settler history is a really valuable resource to have when you're thinking specifically about your neighborhood and you're thinking about your home and your community and the land that you live on and what conditions led to the society and the community and the neighborhood that you see around you today. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that I've done a podcast episode about Spirit Returns 2.0, where I talked to you and Jolene Haas from the Duwamish tribe. And it was actually another motivator for me to to want to make the podcast a program of the Historical Society because it was my highest rated episode ever. There's a lot of interest in that history, those relationships. So I'm excited for more of those kinds of explorations to happen. What are your personal hopes and visions for the future of the Historical Society? I would like to see a Historical Society that 
is embedded physically in multiple locations in our community where you could be walking down the street at any point in White Center, South Park or West Seattle and be like, oh, yeah, that's a point of our history. That Mm -hmm. is something that I'm learning about right now. This is the context for what I'm seeing around me. I think that's really the way forward is refreshing our historical narratives and understanding contextually what we're seeing around us at any given point in the communities that we live in. Let's make it happen. I'm working on it. I'm going (laughs) as fast as I can. You can reach Maggie through her email address, K at loghousemuseum.org. That's Maggie with the letter K. Drop her a line if you've got something to share about your part of the Duwamish Peninsula and stay up to date with the latest news and events by joining the email list found on the Society's website at loghousemuseum.org. One news update we can provide right here and now, the Loghouse Museum will be reopening to the public Friday, April 8th, and it'll be open that whole weekend from noon to 4 p.m. There's clearly a lot happening with the Historical Society at the moment, and I also wanted to explore a little bit further into the future. For that, I spoke with the president of the Southwest Seattle Historical Society's board of directors, Kathy Blackwell. How long have you been involved with the Historical Society? I think it was back in 2015 or 2016 that I was living over here in West Seattle and realized my whole life was over in in Seattle across the bridge, and it was really realizing I don't really have a community over here. Mm-hmm. So I saw an ad in, the, I think, the West Seattle blog where Clay Eels, our former executive director, was having orientations for volunteers. Mm-hmm. And history is a subject that I enjoy. So I went over and got oriented. And my experience is in event management. So he put me right on the gala. So back in maybe the first, the gala in 2015 was my first experience with the Historical Society. And now you're the president of the board. Now I'm the president of the board. I think this is the third year I've been doing that. I I was very involved in the gala and the event, and I didn't realize the, the whole magnitude of what the Historical Society does until I was invited to be a member of the board. And then this whole array of activities and interests and causes I've been learning about. I I really am grateful to be part of this historical society because I have learned through my desire for community how important the local history is. Mm -hmm. That knowing about the stories and what we're all about connects me to the community. So that has been a huge new aspect of living in a community to me is really knowing the history. And I haven't really had that in other communities that I've lived in. It has just really grounded me and made me feel much more part of this community, even though I didn't grow up here. I don't have a long history. How long have you been in West Seattle? I've been here since 2006. I've been in Seattle since 1997. Mm -hmm. I moved over here in 2006. That's about the same time I arrived. Yeah. You mentioned that you first got involved with the gala. Tell me about what that historically has been. The gala was a longtime tradition for the Historical Society, and it was their main stream of revenue. It was the main way they raised money. And it was a big event, a champagne brunch 
at Salty's was the one that I went to. And I think they had been going to Salty's for a few years where there was a celebration of the Historical Society and auctions, raffles, raise the paddle, golden ticket. And we we had a sold out crowd every year. There was mm. a lot of enthusiasm for the gala. That's cool. And there is plans for that to return this year. Is that right? The gala has traditionally been the first Saturday of November. But this year, we're going to be having an event in June. We want to take advantage of warm weather and being outside and getting together sooner than later. We just felt like people would be more comfortable coming uh, to an event where we could have the doors open and be outside and have lots of space. So this year is going to be connected to the reopening of the bridge. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to have an event called Bridging Our Communities. And it's also going to be the celebration of the 25th anniversary of the Log House Museum. Oh. So it is going to be a sort of celebration of the past and then looking to the future for the Historical Society. I think a lot of people that we've chatted with are very excited about, first of all, just coming together to be yeah. together. And then we have some really you know, wonderful things that will take place at the event. How have you seen the Historical Society evolve over time, just in your time? When I became involved, the Society's great work at that point had been preserving a number of West Seattle landmarks, such as the Alki Homestead, the Admiral Theater, the Ham and the Campbell Buildings and the Junction. Our former executive director, Clay Eels, did a great job of rallying the community around the importance of preserving the architectural flavor of West Seattle. Mm-hmm. And saving some of these icons from development. So that's a huge legacy for the Historical Society. Yeah. In the last few years, what I've been seeing is that we've been able to hire professional staff, professional historians, people that have been trained in uh, the area of museology. And they've been so excited about the collection of letters and artifacts and photos that we have And just with this unique stories of the Duwamish Peninsula, that they have had the know-how, how to research and present these stories in a really professional way to help us appreciate the history of our community, not just the architectural treasures, but the stories that have made up our community. So I think we are evolving into a new appreciation of not only the architectural treasures, but also the unique and interesting historical events that have taken place here. It's about the people, not just the place. Yes, exactly. It's about the people and their individual experiences. And that's the value of local history, is that it's not just the big picture and a few key individuals. It's really all the people that all those players in a little kind of community that have had their perspective and had their stories And we can preserve that. And there are so many amazing stories like you. I've only been here since 2005. And I know I'm just scratching the surface, but that's part of why I'm doing what I'm doing to talk to people and hear their stories and share them with people because there's like a a unique, uh, I would say maybe independent spirit over in West Seattle. You know, it's just, there's just something about the people here and the stories that I've encountered and that I'm always chasing it down or <laughs> yeah. like uh, the, the, that makes it, it, it's a really rich, interesting history yeah. that's happening here. Yeah. Just think of the early settlers that landed here and found this, they had to be tough to make this work for them. And mm. people where they're still settling here on the Duwamish Peninsula with 
their individual stories. And those settlers had a lot of help, which is also a part of the story. Uh, It's a big part of the story that the Duwamish tribe has been the stewards of this land and certainly played a key role in the survival of the early white settlers. And Mm. we definitely honor that stewardship and honor those people. So the society is now looking for a new executive director. What kind of person are you hoping to find for this position? We are obviously looking for someone with experience managing a nonprofit, Mm -hmm. uh, with managing a budget and staff. We hope that they would have experience in building community and in fundraising. It would be great if they had experience um, with historical organizations or museums. Mm -hmm. But the special quality we're looking for is someone who understands and is familiar with the Duwamish Peninsula, Mm -hmm. who has an enthusiasm and appreciation for our stories. That's not, you know... A deal breaker, but that would be wonderful to have someone that shares the enthusiasm that we have. Beyond hiring a new executive director, what are some of the goals for the society in the short and long term? Well, a short term, I feel it's fundraising. I think we have done well getting through the pandemic. Our former uh, executive director, Michael King, and now the interim executive director, Maggie Case, uh, did a heroic job of pivoting to online programming because of the pandemic Mm -hmm. and actually building a whole new community for us. But the in-person events really enhance fundraising. I think people love to get together for the champagne gala, for the summer picnics that we've had, or the gatherings on the porch. Mm -hmm. And I think that has impacted our fundraising. We are looking forward to getting back in person and having some new fundraising projects to sort of make up for a little bit of uh, loss during the pandemic. So that's a short-term goal. Mm -hmm. Long term, I think we are committed to be more thorough in researching and telling the stories of the entire peninsula. So that means that we are reaching into White Center and South Park, where we already have some projects underway that I'm really excited about and will be announced and premiered at our June 3rd event. So those are long-term projects to be more inclusive of our entire population on the peninsula. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think what you're saying also about the the value of that personal interaction, that's where people really come together, make connections, meaningful connections with each other to both see something, have a shared experience that is not quite replicated by Zoom. Yeah. Great, It's great that we had Zoom to keep yeah. the lines of communication open, but we need to interact. And now being able to interact with more people throughout the peninsula, I think is a perfect time to do this as we're coming out of the pandemic and wanting to reconnect with each other. So that sounds really exciting. Yeah, we're looking forward to, to that and meeting meeting our neighbors, even more neighbors. Staff and board members of the society recently did uh, a training program focused on diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. What was that experience like for you personally, and how is it informing the society's work moving forward? This is a very important topic, which I've been thinking about and uh, learning about for quite a while. And so I was really happy that the society invested in this training. And it was interesting to do this work with members of the board and staff. Everyone is at a different place in their thoughts about this and their understanding. So I enjoyed thinking about it together. And it's really startling to learn how through innocence or just ignorance that we have language, policies, and practices that 
automatically are exclusive. Mm -hmm. And we never realized that. So it was a big learning, stretching experience for all of us. And so we have formed a committee that will continue the work by examining things like our mission statement, our various documents, our bylaws. And then we will also look at programming, language, hiring practices through this lens of diversity, equity, accessibility, and inclusion, and to see where changes need to be made. And I will say that I'm very proud, honored, and excited to be on that committee. And this podcast becoming a program of the Historical Society, I think, is an opportunity for us to explore some of those things and and, and make some progress. Yeah. I know. I think this podcast is is going to be fabulous. I'm so excited we have this partnership. Why is the Historical Society important to our community now and for future generations? One of the benefits that I have enjoyed being uh, associated with the Historical Society has been the opportunity to talk to our professional staff about the importance of local history and the importance of the Historical Society to our community. And what I've learned is that local history captures all the individual stories, like we've been saying. And the Historical Society wants to emphasize the fact that each of these perspectives and these individual stories is unique Mm -hmm. and holds value in the tapestry of our community. And I feel like it's especially important now with the enormous array of historic events that we have gone through the last couple of years and going on as we speak, we want to capture our community's experience with this right now so that future generations will see that their voices also matter Mm -hmm. and that their experiences that they're living through right now has the power to make change. I really love the fact that we're capturing these individual stories and emphasizing that each perspective is unique and holds value. I think that is important to our community now and to future generations. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's really exciting to think about opening more doors and sharing more of these stories, finding them first and creating platforms for people to share their perspectives, connect, discuss, debate. (laughs) Yeah. And the children's programming that's been introduced this last year and and going forward has really been an opportunity to include their voices in history, like our writing contests where they wrote about women that made a difference on the peninsula. And we have another writing contest coming up. So I love the fact that we're in really focusing on children's programming. Yes. And that we're bringing this opportunity for local kids, local students to learn something about what's happened in their own backyard. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to see how that develops this year. It's one of our big focuses. Is there anything about the historical society that you think people might not know or get wrong or have misunderstandings about? can't think of anything too profound right now, but (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't have to be controversial. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's so interesting when I serve as a docent, when the museum is open and people come in that have lived in the community for years, have never come into Mm -hmm. this little museum. And it's young people. I, I think that's so interesting. It's It's not just the older generations uh, that are finding this relevant, but the younger people are coming in and spending time and buying books and reading, looking at our exhibits. So I think that idea of local history is resonating with the younger population, with families, bringing their kids in. And I I think people are looking for connections Mm. and feeling a sense of home and place. 
And so it's been really interesting to me to see the reaction of some of the younger families bringing their kids into the museum. How would you describe that reaction? Yeah, they say, I've gone by here for years. I've never stopped in. And they never knew about that in their own Mm. backyard. And they interacted with their kids to tell them and show them some of the books. And so just introducing the whole idea that history is not just what happened in their history books in school or what we studied in classes and university, but it's right here on the shores of Alki Beach, for one thing. And it's very close. It's very close to everybody's life right here. Yeah. What does your personal vision look like for the Southwest Seattle Historical Society? We have this very small location. I I think, should we be in a larger location going forward? That might be something to think about in the future. I'm hoping that we can extend our exhibits into mobile exhibits and taking them out to the community so you don't have to go all the way to the north end of the peninsula to enjoy our local history. So I'd like Mm -hmm. to be able to bring that to people like at farmer's markets or into the libraries Those are just some of the ideas that I'd like to see. We'd like to really increase our membership. That is going to be a big initiative this year. Mm -hmm. And so we're hoping to acquaint more people with the value of the historical society. So you want to reach more people, but you also need to get more people involved. Reach more people by getting out of the Alki neighborhood and reaching out into the communities. And by that, hopefully being able to embrace more people and get more people involved. If you're interested in the executive director position, find more info at loghousemuseum.org. And if you're curious about joining the board of the Southwest Seattle Historical Society or getting involved as a sponsor or volunteer, send an email to museum at loghousemuseum.org. As this first episode in partnership with the Southwest Seattle Historical Society comes to a close, I wanted to include something that I'll be starting every new episode with from this point forward, a land acknowledgement statement. It's a traditional custom dating back centuries for many Native American communities and nations. And for non-Indigenous communities, land acknowledgement is a way of showing respect and honoring the Indigenous peoples of the land on which we work and live. Acknowledgement is a simple way of resisting the erasure of Indigenous histories and working towards honoring and inviting the truth. And with that, I would like to acknowledge that we are on the traditional land of the first people of Seattle, the Duwamish people, past and present. And we honor with gratitude the land itself and the Duwamish tribe. Always West Seattle is a Made with Bacon production, all rights reserved. Interviews have been edited for brevity and clarity. Find us on the web and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Always Podcast. I'm Keith Bacon. Thanks for listening.